Hi, welcome to Hints of Gladness. I'm your host, Rod Jans. In our current series of podcasts, we're exploring the topic of contemplation. What does it mean, and how does it impact the way we show up in the world? I'm hoping that these conversations will be a contemplative experience. So I invite you to join us, engage, and be open as we discuss my guests' spiritual journeys and their contemplative experiences. My guest today is Esther Hizza. Esther says, just sit there and let me love you. Esther says that she heard God say that to her in silence many years ago. She goes on to say, that invitation anchors me to this day. And I hope that in my writing and in spiritual direction and retreats, others will hear God's loving invitation too. Esther is a writer, a spiritual director, trained through SoulStream, and a co-facilitator of SoulStream's Living from the Heart course. She is also a mother, a grandmother, and wife, married for 43 years to her husband, Fred. She and Fred live in Burnaby, British Columbia, Canada, and love the outdoors, spending as much time as they can hiking in the mountains, biking in wide open spaces, and walking in the woods or by the sea. Esther is the author of three books and a blog called An Everyday Pilgrim. Now please help me welcome Esther Hizza. Hi everyone. Thanks for joining us today on Hints of Gladness. We've been doing a series on contemplation, as I would have said in the introduction. And I'm really happy today and pleased to be joined by my good friend, Esther Hizza. We've, we've known each other for a long time, Esther. <laughs> we did Art of, Spiritual, Art of Spiritual Direction in 2007. Yeah. <laughs> and I think Esther and I, we, we clicked back then and it's always been a joy to hang out and we've done some retreats together and like facilitating them and stuff like that. It's been, yeah, it's great. Thank you for joining me. As you know, I know you've listened to a few podcasts of of these podcasts. I'm happy to hear that. (laughs) We've been spending a brief time in silence and I haven't been giving much instruction about that. So I just want to invite our audience to just spend just a minute or two in silence and uh, to just join us in that and, and Esther as well. So we'll just, we'll just, uh, we'll just begin now.
Thank you. Thank you, Rock. How was that for you? I feel like we both rushed to get here, especially me. Yeah. You know, you know my story. Maybe I'll explain that after you give your answer. I'll tell people about my day so far today. <laughs> oh yeah, real work before this. I went for a walk with Fred because I'm like I, I'm just sitting here getting nervous. So let's go for a walk. Okay, oh, calming down a bit. So in the yeah. silence, I was just reminded that, or reminding myself, breathing in that God is here. I'm not alone. Well, besides being with you, Rod. <laughs> and it's going to be okay. Yeah. So it was good. Thanks. Nice. Yeah. I was telling Esther, we just came from on a, we were in Atlanta on a business trip. What I didn't tell you is it was so noisy. There was a, the, um, there was a college football game and on, on Saturday. And then there with the New Orleans Saints were playing the Atlanta Falcons on Sunday. The stadium's not far from our hotel. And it was just, and there, so there was a whole bunch of New Orleans fans in our hotel. So it, it was just so noisy <laughs> and, uh, and just being downtown and everything. Right. So I just really appreciated. It's like, at, and after rushing to get here, I've been up since 1230 AM our time, uh, and literally just unpacked a little bit and got on the, on the call with you. So. That that moment, it's like a uh, moment of silence, and I'm sure as soon as we're done, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna crunch. But <laughs> yeah. Well, I know uh, a lot about your story, but I was thinking about it on the way here uh, to get here to to, to talk with you, um, and maybe I'll be reminded when I hear hear your story. But I, I don't know too much about your spiritual influences when you were younger. I don't know too much about your your story. So yeah. What, what was that? What were the spiritual influences for you when you were younger? Well, I don't actually, I mean, going other than going to church and Sunday school, I don't remember too many um, influences, but in my, in my teen years, so I went to a unit, we went to a United church on the corner, lived in rural Ontario at three point charge, you know, that kind of thing. And, and so they didn't, they didn't talk much about about a personal relationship with Jesus. Well, then the Jesus movement happened. That tells you how old I am. And I was watching W5, this news program, and they were interviewing these Jesus people, and they talked about inviting Jesus in your into your heart. And I, I was like, you can do that? <laughs> and so I was like, I was like so pumped, and I go up to my room, and I pray the prayer, and I invite Jesus into my heart. And that was that that was a pivotal part of my of my journey and then about the same time a bunch of my older brother and sister's friends all became uh christians and they started a bible study and so i i was in that little community and so that sort of started that journey for me but when i think about it what my contemplative life happened happened a, a lot before that and one of my memories is um, when I was when I was five years old, and my parents, my mom drove us into town uh, to take my older brother and sister to accordion lessons, and then she took my little brother with her, and she left me in the car. So, oh, just wait here, and I'm like waiting, bored, and all that, and and it's like, oh, I don't know what to do with myself. So I started to to you know how you can grab a lamp. Those little kids do this, and they swing around it, right? And I started to swing around the lamppost and I started singing, Jesus loves me, this I know. And in that moment, it felt like I 
wasn't waiting to come home. I, I was home already. And I was home to someone who was big and wonderful and loved me more than I could ever imagine. And and that moment has stayed with me for my whole life. I think it was my first contemplative moment, <laughs> truly knowing that I belong to God. Oh, well, that's beautiful. Yeah. 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 I know you're a very busy spiritual director. <laughs> do, do, have you heard of other people having a similar experience like that? And when they, you know, when, when God shows up or spirit shows up, that it's a bit like a whole, like they have had yeah. a similar experience of, yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah. 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 It's beautiful to hear those stories. Yeah. 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 But it actually feeling like a homecoming too, like yeah. being, being home. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Like kind of like the story of the prodigal son in a way, like, <laughs> yeah. I know you went over the questions. Did you include the, what role has nature impacted in your spiritual formation? Is that one that you? Oh, no, but I can talk about because I love being outside. I know you do. And you guys do all kinds of, you're quite adventurous and camping and. Got back actually from hiking up uh, in Garibaldi to Garibaldi Lake and up Black Tusk. Okay, there's nothing glamping about that. I've been up Nothing there. glamping about yeah. that. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, being outside, I just, I, I just come alive. It's just, it's one of those places where, where, um, like, I, I get amongst the trees for by the ocean and it's just, it's, uh, I don't garden like some people and, um, and sometimes, and I, when I look at a bunch of things like trees and flowers, I don't often know what I'm looking at. I don't even know their names sometimes, but but there's something about being outside that is life giving for me, and so that's part of my even my my spiritual practices and my rule of life is to be outside, try to be outside every day, even if wow. I walk around in my neighborhood. So, but mostly I like being like on my bike for long distances or. I love that. So just, just say a little bit more about a rule of life. Like, what is that? Something yeah. I don't know where that comes from or what. Sure. Um, so rule of life comes from the monastic tradition where, you know, so hundreds of years ago that they figured out that there would be some thing, what we spiritual practices that would both support and protect this growing life of God in us. So sometimes we think a rule is, oh, I have to keep the rule, like it's onerous, but it's actually something that both gives life and, and supports it. So it's a life-giving rule. Yeah. 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 Well, well, might as well just jump in right here and talk about what, so one of my spiritual practice, one of my spiritual practices that became part of my rule was writing my blog every week. So back up, um, when when I when I wrote my first book and then people said to me, um, "Well, you how are people going to find you? You know, you need to have a blog." And so I so I started to to write a blog. And then my friend who has a blog says, "Well, you have to write something every week." So then I started to write something every week, and and it felt a bit like, "Oh no, what if I don't have something to say?" But over time, I realized that as I trusted God in the process and just paid attention sort of like a, a daily exam and where, where have I seen God in my life? And then write about it vulnerably, share it with 
the world, that that was a spiritual practice that was giving me life. And then, so then doing that over the years, because I started that in 2013, I've had a block post every week since then, Friday at four. Wow. Amazing. I know. (laughs) And sometimes I got them queued up a week ahead if I'm organized. And sometimes it's like, last minute, hey, God, help. And, And what I noticed is, like, because where it moved from being a nice thing to do, which is spiritual practice, to a rule of life, is that I, you, is a commitment to it. The, the difference is that if I'm going to change something in my rule of life, I want to take some time to discern it. So take a few months, talk it over with my spiritual director. So if I decide this week, I don't want to do my blog post. No, I'm going to do it. I'm going to trust God to do it. Um, and what that's done is it's made me sit down and look at what's going on in my life that I might not want to look at or write about and be brave and write about it. Because often it's something that I'm embarrassed about, or I think if I write about it, somebody's going to be embarrassed. And somehow as I just sit with God, it's like, well, God just kind of helps me figure out how to do it. And it's not always perfect or anything, but but it's it speaks to what's going on in my life. And then people relate to it because it's similar to what's going on in their lives. So so then as I started doing that, I realized that this spiritual practice was supporting my life because as I wrote about what was going on in my life, it deepened it. Like often, like I'm just thinking it's, oh, I'll write about this great idea or whatever's happening. And then I start writing about it and then tears come because I go, oh my goodness, this was, this was really important, not just to me, but it was important to God. That's how I felt. Mm-hmm. And so, so it's been a life-giving practice for me, and then part of my contemplative response to the world is to write in a way that people can relate to it. Sure. So that's talking about a rule of life. That's something in my rule of life that. Yeah. And so it, I, we didn't plan on talking about this. So I'll, I'll leave it after this, sure. but it's, it sounds like it's a very serious commitment. Like you take time to discern it. It's something that you think it's not. It's something that you make a real commitment to maybe for you're thinking that I'm going to stick with this the rest of my life. And if, yeah. if you're, if you're, if you think maybe I'm going to change this, then you'll talk to your spiritual director and actually um, discern with, with them and make it, and then make the change. You don't just, you don't just sit down and, and brainstorm and go, okay, that's it. And then start, right. It, it's, it's, you, you take it quick. There's a process that's involved and they take it quite seriously. Yeah, I think idealistically and theoretically, yes. I mean, yeah. <laughs> practically, yeah. um, I, like I'd have to re- review my rule of life and and look at okay, what am I? What still has life in it? What doesn't? Yeah. And we teach it in living from the heart. So every every year we go back to our rule of life, and I look at mine and 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 go, okay, what what's still giving life? And I might talk to my spiritual director about it. But the the one about writing my blog post is most pertinent to me because I face it every week because sometimes there's this temptation to, I know, I just want to do it this week, you know? And then when I do it, I'm really glad I've done it. So yeah. Anyway. Awesome. That's great. I kind of have one rule right now, but you're making me think of maybe adding a couple. <laughs> My one rule is to get out and walk, like you, to get out and walk every day in yeah. nature. So I start every day uh, out, out with the trees. <laughs> yeah. Um, Yes. So we were getting 
we, we've kind of touched on this or gone around the edges of it, but what initially drew you to uh, competi- or co- competition, I was going to say, what initially drew you to contemplation? What, so what, what drew me to, oh yeah, so, so before I answer that, I, I wanted to talk about what contemplation is. Is that, that, that okay? Yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah. So for me, and, and um, from my reading and my understanding, contemplation are those moments, like I talked about when, when I was a kid, where you have, they're given by grace, where you know, where you just experience your oneness with God in all things and a sense of love and belonging. And it's not like, oh, that's a great idea or I like that idea, but it's just a deep, this deep, deep knowing. And you can't make moments of contemplation happen. They just are given. So, so I think of contemplation and then I think of, of contemplative practices, which like silence, solitude, going for a walk, writing my blog post, um, they set the stage, make space for contemplation to happen. And then the third piece of this for me is contemplative living. And to me, that's as, as a contemplative, how do I live more fully into my oneness with God and, and all, all things and my belovedness in God? And so, so it's a part of noticing when am I not connected and, and when do I need to slow down and remember, oh yeah, God is here, take a breath. And then living into that um, gives me more freedom to love myself, love others, and make choices that are more life-giving to others. Like if I think I'm all on my own, I'm going to make very selfish choices. But if I think that the banana that I eat makes a difference to the people that grow it, I'm connected to them, then I make, I make a different choice. So, so that's how that works for me. That's how I understand those three pieces of, of, of contemplation. Excellent. Yeah. Thank you for defining that. And we talked earlier, I think about James Finley and I've been listening to him a lot lately and, you know, he's always bringing that up, but there was like you with spinning around the pole, you know, he just says there's some, there was some sort of spark at some point, you know, and he's, and he says from that point onwards, we're always trying to deepen that love or that experience, you know, exactly. Something, yeah. something starts there that's God initiated and it happens without almost our expect, expecting it. And then we're kind of gently, or not sometimes not so gently, <laughs> woed back to that again throughout our, throughout our lives. Yeah. Right. Right. What, what drew you to contemplation? <laughs> Thank you for defining that. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah. I, I'm sure that's, uh, I, I, I do kind of go into, I added it to my notes when you were saying it, because uh, I'll probably ask other people to, to define it because I think, uh, you know, there may be people that are listening that don't quite know what we're, okay. what we're talking about. So, well, so what drew me to contemplation? Um, I think, well, what, what, one of the key experiences was when I was doing my finishing my degree at Regent College, I was drawn to the spiritual theology course. I wanted to know how the mystics prayed and, and time alone with God. So I was drawn to that. And then, and then as I was finishing up my degree, I, I had this paper I was writing and then all of a sudden I lost it on my computer and I, I couldn't find it anywhere. I was going nuts. And <laughs> it was like, step away from the computer, you know? And about the same time, 
my a friend of mine who was in a different uh, class at Regent, one of his assignments was to spend six hours alone with God and the book Henry Nouwen's book, The Way of the Heart. And he told me about what happened to him and how that that time in silence was so profound and life-changing for him. I just said, okay, I need to get away. And so I went to Rivendell Retreat Center on Bowen Island with The Way of the Heart. And I just I just spent time, read the book. It's like, it's this thin, it's just 60 pages or something like that. And just learned about this way of just praying in silence where I didn't need to do anything except let God love me. And that, that just hooked me right there. Just that I didn't have to perform, that I didn't have to do anything for God. Um, so that experience was was pretty life changing for me. And then I wanted people to travel with that kind of woke, woke that up in me. And so then, my, as I was graduating, my friend told me about Soulstream, and um, then you could take art of spiritual direction. I, I didn't know I wanted to be a spiritual director. I only knew I wanted people to travel with. And so I signed up for the course. And of course, one of the people I traveled with was you. And and so in that course, the big thing for me was just experiencing in community and in the books we read and in the papers we wrote again and again, how God loved me as I am. And and just that invitation to be to live in that spaciousness was uh, pretty transforming for me. Those are two pretty big influences. Beautiful. Um, so what's changed in your life from the time when you were that girl spinning around the pole to, to, to today and, and practicing contemplation and, and uh, leading other people in spiritual direction and that sort of thing? Yeah. Oh, I think the biggest change is that I have a lot more compassion for myself. I can, I'm a one in the Enneagram, so I can be really judgmental and hard on myself and hard on other people too. Um, but, and so learning to hear, to hear God's loving voice and, um, and have compassion for me. So if I've done something like, oh no, you know, whatever I've done, and then to just sit quietly and hear God, not, not getting upset with me, but saying oh wow that that must have been really hard for you oh it just really shifted something in me so to keep offering that compassion to, to myself how um has has shaped me and i think that the change that other people would notice in me particularly my adult children is that they tell me i'm calmer so that this that is the interesting thing is that is that I, I am calmer, but as I have more awareness, I realize how much anxiety I have. So, so it's, it's kind of like a interesting because I'm more aware of how anxious I am, but I also am more aware I'm not as anxious as I used to be, which makes me kind of like, oh man, what was I like in the past? But well, we won't go there. <laughs> so and it helps me be okay with it. Like, like, mm -hmm. okay, so. So one of my my spiritual people I look up to is 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 Henry Nouwen. How, and one of the things I like about him, about about his life is that is that he struggled with insecurity. He struggled with a lot of a lot of that kind of thing. And so I go, okay, I'm in the company. Yeah, I have, I have a random question for you, but I, I 
I remember at Twin Creeks, like many, many years ago, where you introduced um, the love mischief. There, that was it the Hafiz Arami. Yes, it, it's Hafiz Paul, right? Seed crack. That- the seed cracked open, and then you you keep mentioning it. You put it at the end of your blog, and you sign off that way. So, what was? How did that happen? Was preparing for that weekend? Did it? You come across that that poem and that picture, like you, that beautiful picture that you, uh, I'll, I'll put it in our show notes so people can yeah. see it. Um, was that a, was that a significant, did something significant well, yeah. happen for you there? Yeah. Yeah. Actually it was another social partner, um, Glenn Grinnell that mentions that poem, mm-hmm. uh, Sea Cracked Open. And, and, and then I came across Michael Cook's painting uh, because I had another painting of his that I used on my blog and we had been conversing. He's an artist in England. And um, so we put the two, the two things together, the, the painting, but that's um, that poem. And I, I can, I have it here that I can read it for you um, because one of the questions you had was to influence some influences of writers and Hafiz was one of them. I had a Hafiz is a 13, 14th century Sufi poet. And um, Daniel Ladinsky is a modern writer that's translated his poems. And they really express the love of God. And I spent one whole retreat once. All I did was read Bapis' poetry because <laughs> it made me feel so loved. <laughs> I have this poem here and it says, I'll read it if you like. Yeah, go for it, please. See, cracked open. It used to be that when I would wake in the morning, I could with confidence say, what am I going to do? That was before the seed cracked open. Now Hafiz is certain. There are two of us housed in this body, doing the shopping together in the market and tickling each other while fixing the evening's food. Now, when I awake, all the internal instruments play the same music. God, what love mischief can we do for the world today? And I I love that poem because there's two parts of it particular, is that idea of the seed cracked open and then... You wake into, I'm not alone. God is here with me. And that's that part of being one with everything. And then, and then it moves to just this beautiful picture of just doing things together with God. And then it's outward. What love mischief are we going to do for the world today? Um, and I, and that's just touches me because it speaks to. As we just let God love us, that love pours out for other people. As I write stories and collect stories about my spiritual life and post them on my blog or write them in my book, when people read them, they say, oh, yeah, I, I relate to that. I can meet, you know, me too. And I'm not alone. Stuff like that. So you can get so serious too, right? Like that's that I'm speaking oh, that's for myself, life. right? Yeah. It's like lighten up and just have fun with God or just yeah. be, be open to what services don't feel too much, all this pressure and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. 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 Uh, we were talking about contemplative community. We brought it up several times, how you and I have met and remained in community with, with soul stream for, for many, many years. So, but perhaps you have more than, that one place where you connect maybe you could just tell us about that a little bit well i think where i connect because soul stream is a dispersed uh, community and so how do you have community with over 100 people 
So where I connect personally is in my peer supervision group of spiritual directors. We meet once a month and that's pretty, we share vulnerably and, and we get to be ourselves and be loved and it's, it's great. Um, and also with the other people that I, I work with on the leadership team at, in Soulstream and the facil- other facilitators of Living from the Heart, where there's a lot of love there that I enjoy. And then in, in my church, it, it's interesting. So in my church, I wouldn't say it's intentional. Uh, intentional contemplative community, but it's but the community is still life giving. Like I might think, oh yeah, I like I have a degree in theology and I am the, the contemplative and I'm going to go in and help those people. Well, not like that at all. It's like they, as I participate in community in my church, I receive a lot from the people in my church who don't even might not even know what contemplative is, but. God, God is in them and their, their love for me and for others and however it comes is, has been, been life-giving for me as, I don't know, we all make mistakes and say for we're sorry and, you know, just as we just live life together in our kind of quirky ways and get stressed out. Yeah. Yeah, and then I wanted to mention, and then there's community that just happens like when you're on when you're up on the mountain and everybody's in, in camping together in some place, and you're talking about what where you're going to hike the next day, or or when I've taken my my bike on the ferry, and then you're waiting for the ferry, and all of a sudden, every, you know, there's a group of people, and we're all going to bike down to Victoria, and all of a sudden, there's a peloton, and you share these moments, and they're not you're not sharing the deep things of your heart, but there's some connection that is still something beautiful and life-giving. Like I'm riding to Victoria, this guy's riding beside me, never met him before in my life. And he goes, and he's, Oh, what are you doing? What's my birthday today? Well, happy birthday. And I, it was a special moment. Yeah. Yeah. Well, see him again. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that's community too. After this conference we were at this weekend, we there's a group of people. There's so much fun. There's there's there were a couple people from the Netherlands, and so we afterwards we met them in the bar, and um, we've known them for a while. This is a this is a, a a training that we keep going to for for business, and um, it was just really great. Like we, we ended up talking about marriage breakups and wow. yeah, really deep stuff and really funny stuff too. Like go, like. Yeah, I, I won't go into it, but yeah, we, you know, it was, it was a great time of connection. We, we just laughed and teared up a little bit, all kinds of things, you know, <laughs> um, and that was after knowing each other for a while, but um, yeah, it was a real time of, of connection. It was very special. So yeah, exactly. I know, I know what you're, I know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that you're an avid reader and, um, and, and there, you've mentioned Henry Nowen already and uh, i just wonder if there's anybody else that and, and by the way i mean henry now is 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 a great introduction for a lot of people i think to yeah, yeah. To contemplation he was for me for sure as well um uh, and, and, and anybody else that you want to introduce us to or talk about today well i i mean 
people that probably have been mentioned before, um, Anthony DeMello and about yeah. awareness that, that he's um, in, an Indian Jesuit. He's passed away now. Um, and um, well, actually, I listen to more podcasts than I read books. So it's been interesting to listen to like Brian McLaren's podcasts or, um, and listen to Anne Lamott's on in her read from her book. And, um, so I was listening to books on tape and, and even though, or not books on books on audio, um, Maya, Maya Angelou's autobiographies. And so lately I've been listening to more of, uh, different people's stories not necessarily contemplative, um, but, but um, you know, so Richard Wagamese's Ragged Company and Home Going by Yag Yazi. Uh, so, so, and so different stories of, of like that last one is a, um, a woman from Ghana and the story of her people from way back and, and how they, they were slaves and things happened. So, so, just is that a podcast or an audible? Sorry, I'm it's it's a uh, it's a book. It's a book. Okay, yeah, yeah. 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 Sorry, I'm kind of going all over the place. <laughs> that sounds super interesting. So yeah, we'll have to. Yeah, so there, there, yeah, yeah. It was like for for a few books in a row, and a book by um, Sumo Kid, uh, the invention of wings, which was a story about two sister abolitionists. So so there were there, I was sort of steeped in what it's it's like to be. Afro Afro American and um, and the struggles that they've had and and it was encouraging to me to struggle with to continue in my own struggles to when I see think of how hard people work to to um, to bring the end of slavery you know that kind of thing so so yeah it occurs to me that's contemplation and action those stories are contemplation and action right? yeah it's not because I you know. We both we know that people sometimes have the impression when we talk about contemplation or prayer that you're just sitting around and yes. and navel gazing. But um, I, I think one of the things that this podcast has shown <laughs> for the people that I've spoken with is that it almost always impacts their lives and is is it has an outward expression as well. It's both inward and outward, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, oh yeah, so so uh, the the podcast sometimes i'll listen to tarbrock as you know i'm a tarbrock fan and yeah so james finley yeah i was gonna say if people want to take a real deep dive into contemplation they should look up uh james fit james finley's um podcast yeah tur- turning to the mystics turning to the mystics yeah he's very very deep but um incredible like that yeah. just his knowledge and um he's talking about um Oh shoot! Here's here's where the plane ride is hitting me. <laughs> Jonah uh, of Norwich, Julian of Norwich. Yeah. That's the most recent one. Yeah. Um. So we're throwing this question in. Uh, and uh, because you're a, a spiritual director, and spiritual directors have this gift of asking really good questions. <laughs> I'm wondering what question you wish people would ask themselves more. Oh, yeah, yeah. So the question that I ask in spiritual direction in one form or another, usually every time, and, I, and people, I would encourage people to ask is, is this question of God, what, um, how are you loving me in this moment? And, and it, 
well, you know, the fancy way of saying it is, wh- how, what was that line? Um, what do you hear in the loving silence of your soul? You might, people might say that, or I might just say, so when you sit with this place that you're in that's so uncomfortable, what might Jesus be saying to you? So different ways of asking that question. And it comes, and, and it comes from, um, you might remember this story from Steve Inbach when we were in Art of Spiritual Direction. And Steve, one of the founders of SoulStream, and he used to be a dental appliance salesman, tra- traveled a lot. And one night he was in this, like, ter- this hotel where I had a terrible, terribly uncomfortable bed. He couldn't sleep, tossed and turned. And he, he just cried out to God, says, what are you trying to teach me, God? Just tell me so I can learn it and get back to sleep. I don't know if you remember that story. And, and then he just heard like clear as a bell, God saying, I'm not trying to teach you anything. That's just a terrible bed. <laughs> and, and, and so when I put that story on, on my blog and I asked Steve permission for it, and he said, yeah, he said, now I would ask the question, God, what are you, what are you, how are you loving me in this moment? In this moment where I am. Yeah, this has been great. You're going to lead us in a reflection here in a moment, but I know you've come out with a, a new book. It's the third one in your series, right? In the okay. heart of the, in the heart of the beloved. And I haven't had a chance to read it yet. And I want to do a whole podcast with you on this. So uh, maybe you could just briefly tell us a little bit about your new, your new book. Well, um, so I have to back up and tell, tell you, I'll just tell you quickly about the three books. So the first book is a story of the, the um, stories of those moments in my life, like the story of when I was swinging around the pool and other contemplative moments that I had, those moments that stand out that I wanted to treasure. And so I wrote them down and put them in a book. And then, and then, like I said, I needed to write a blog to get it out there. So then the second and third books are blog post collections basically chronological. So so the first two books, they kind of set the groundwork for what does it mean to be a contemplative? I talk about, is, does everybody need to be a contemplative? Um, praying the prayer of exam and um, my, when I, um, yeah, all, all those types of story. What, what's it like to pay attention to my feelings? And will God love me when I do X or whatever? And then so then I lay that groundwork, and then by the time I get to the the blog post in the third year and third book, and after that, I it's like circling back to some of the same themes but going deeper. And so I, if somebody had read my book, they, it's probably good for them to read the first the first two books. But the what I like about about the third book is it it really is holding me in this vulnerable place where. Um, sometimes I don't like myself very much and how God meets me in that place. So it's, uh, it's a tender book. I've been hearing, and, and I probably have heard this from you too. And, and, and hearing you, hearing you speak about your life, um, a lot more lately that um, that 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 seems to be the place of growth for people. Like, um, is is where we let God in through the crack 
or, you know, through the cracks or whatever, or when we're, when we're willing to be vulnerable. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't think I'm saying anything earth shattering other than I just seem to, it seems like in the last four or five years, that realization has been growing and more acceptable. And, and I think, I think yeah. people are being more, maybe as we experience it and we experience the, the love of God in those, those places, yeah. um, we're, we're talking about it more, yeah. you know? Yeah. 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 And I think authors like, like Brené Brown. And, yes. Yes. And, for sure. Um, Anne Lamott that, that are so human and right. Yeah. And, and value vulnerability um, that it makes it a little, it makes it more okay to be who we are and not have to wear a mask. It seems like for a lot of years in churches, we're professional mask wearers. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> There's a lot of pressure to, to, look good and, and not be vulnerable and really talk about the things that are really, really bothering you or, or that you're struggling with. Well, thank you so much, Esther. We, I might say, and we, I might just have a few comments or questions for you after you lead us in a contemplative practice. So I've been asking all of my guests to lead us in a contemplative practice and it's been, it's been wonderful. And uh, so I'm just going to turn it over to you. I know you have a bit of an explanation first and then you're right. going to just really provide us with that's something that we can use later if we want. So, but I'll let you explain all that. Sure. And then you can jump in if there's anything that needs a little bit more explanation or isn't quite clear. So. So the practice that I want to talk about is the prayer of imagination, which is from uh, St. Ignatius's spiritual exercises. And so it's, it's just a matter of, of, and praying with the gospel story so that it's not studying the story as much as just putting ourselves in the story and letting it unfold and seeing what happens. And the purpose is so that we can encounter God in Jesus personally. And so in, Ignatius invites us to, to imagine or read the story and then imagine ourselves in it using our five senses. Um, so what do we notice? What do we see? What do we hear? What do we feel as we, we put ourselves in the story? And some people might say, oh, I don't have a, a, a very good imagination, but you don't need, it, it doesn't depend on that. Everyone has, has a good enough imagination. All we need is a desire to meet Jesus and know that God desires even more to meet with us. And something will happen. We can trust that something will happen. And what I like to say about this prayer is that it's earthly and it's heavenly. It's earthly in the way that we imagine using our own experiences. So we don't have to imagine a hillside in Galilee. It can be a hillside on the way to Kelowna or whatever is our experience. That's fine. We also imagine how it's also earthly is that our imaginations aren't um, pure. We can imagine a lot of things that are scary and are not true and not really helpful for prayer. So I just want to name that so that people don't get stuck there. So if so, we're going to going to meditate on the story of this of Zacchaeus going up the tree, and I'll read it later. But supposing you're you're Zacchaeus in the tree, and Jesus looks up at you and goes. What the heck are you doing? How many times have I told you and just berates you? And you feel like crap, really. You know, well, at that point, you can just go, wait a minute. You can be like a director in a movie. You can say, cut, 
get that guy out of here. I don't think that's Jesus. Bring in the real Jesus. So because it's probably not Jesus, it's probably somebody in your past that you're remembering and it's being displaced onto Jesus. So so you can you can stop the prayer. You get to be the driver of the prayer. You don't have to be at the mercy of everything that comes into your imagination. And you want to experience God as loving. So that's how it's earthly and how it's heavenly is that the Holy Spirit is at work and bringing things to your imagination that you might not even be aware of. And so the story unfolds, your story unfolds in, in the way it needs to. So you're up in the tree, for example, and then Jesus says, says this happened to me once. He says, oh, Esther, come down. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm not going down. Those people are me. And then the story unfolds for me in that way. And, um, and that's okay. It doesn't have to happen exactly the way it, ha- it happens in scripture. And then something happens there. And something happens there, how God came to me in that moment, I still remember as profound in my life and touching. So sometimes we meet God in a way that we, we know we didn't make it up. And it's real, and it's a real experience. It becomes our gospel story. So even though it's in our imagination and you can't touch it, it's still a real experience we get to have for the rest of our lives. And that's why I, why I love this prayer. And so it's about encounter and encountering and being with God. One of my mentors says, get up close and personal. Another director I had said, don't leave your prayer without meeting Jesus. So I encourage people to do that. And then when the prayer is, is over, then you just end it however feels good for you. And then you might want to jot down a few notes about it, what's important, share it with a spiritual director or a friend. So what I'm going to do is lead you through the prayer as if you're following the story of Zacchaeus. And then I'm going to give you moments to pause. I'm not going to pause. You can hit the pause button whenever you need, because I can't gauge how long you're going to need to just think about a question. I always need longer though. Whoever leads me through, they never give me enough time. So I'm never, you know, so just take the time I need. So I'll lead you through as if you're Zacchaeus in the story. You're yourself. You don't have to think about what Zacchaeus is thinking. You just think about what you're thinking. And and then you just, you can listen through and then hear how that went and then go back and do it a different way. It's like kind of a choose your own adventure. So that's how it's going to go. So I'll just lead us through. So I will say something to clarify. So it's, us up, it's us up in the tree. We're not trying to think of what Zacchaeus might have said or felt. It's it's rod, it's rod in the tree or Esther in the tree. Great. Yes, you get to be yourself in the story. Yeah, and what do what do we feel like? What do we hear? Yeah, and yeah. what do we experience? When- yeah. So as you're listening to this, you know, if you get a point where you you know, I say, you know, and then you do X, and you're going like, I would never do X. Pay attention to that. That's your story. That's where you need to go with Jesus. Um, and, and you can, and like I say, it doesn't have to follow along exactly. So I'll just begin with a prayer and then, and then I'll read the scripture, which is from Luke, uh, Luke 19. God, thank you so much that you, you came to us in Jesus. And then we get to meet you in Jesus in a gospel story and in this story. And I pray that you would help us to um, use our imaginations 
and allow the Holy Spirit to guide us to meet you and to hear our own stories and to experience your love for us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus entered Jer Jericho and passing and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to the he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. So if you just um, can lower your gaze or close your eyes and imagine Jericho, whether you're familiar with the city or not, use your imagination as best you can to picture it. Imagine dusty roads, people milling about, the crowds all wanting to see Jesus. Is the weather warm or cool? What sounds do you hear? What do you see and smell? What do you pick up from the people around you? What are they saying or feeling about Jesus coming to their town? You can pause here and think about those questions. You see a chief tax collector named Zacchaeus. Nobody likes him because he cheats them, collecting more than he should. He gets rich off the backs of others. He's a short man, yes, small in more ways than one. You watch Zacchaeus. He wants to see Jesus, but the crowd is dense and no one wants to let him. You see him run over to a fig tree and climb up it. He knows which way Jesus is going, and he wants to get a good look at this miracle worker from Nazareth. As you watch Zacchaeus, you begin to recognize that you have a few things in common with him. You don't always make the best choices and people get hurt. You don't always fit in because of what you do or don't do. You are sometimes rejected because you are to this or to that. Do you feel like you don't measure up or are not the person you think you should be? Take a moment with these feelings. Notice what it's like to feel them in your body. You may notice another feeling emerging. Is there a longing to see Jesus, to be near him, to be seen by him? Imagine that you climb the sycamore tree. You grab the rough branches in your hands and hoist your body up like you did when you were a kid. Perhaps something in you feels like a kid, excited to see Jesus. Or perhaps not. You are in the tree now with your feet on a sturdy branch. You have a great view above everyone's heads. What do you feel as you see Jesus in the distance coming toward you? Pause now and think about that. Jesus is closer now. 
You watch him interacting with the children, offering a kindness to an old woman, laughing with the disciples. What's it like to see him display so much love and affection? Now Jesus is really close, so close you can see the top of his head. You stop breathing for a moment and try to be still, but the, your foot breaks a twig on the branch and suddenly Jesus looks up at you. Jesus looks up and sees you. He has a warm smile and his eyes tell you he knows you. There's a sadness in those eyes. He also knows where you're hurting. He calls you by name. Rod, come down from there. I'm tired and hungry. Take me to your house, will you? I would. It would mean so much to me if you would. Well, you can't believe your ears. Jesus wants to go to your house. What goes on in you as you climb down the tree and meet Jesus face to face? You and Jesus look over the crowd. There are others who would give their eye teeth to have the privilege of Jesus coming to their house. Others who know their Bible better, who help out at the synagogue more, who are always doing nice things for others. But Jesus didn't choose them. He chose you. You welcome Jesus gladly. As you walk with him back to your house, people see this and begin to mutter. They are jealous and critical of you. How does it feel to have so many people judge you? What might you say to Jesus about this as you walk along? Take a moment with that now. How does it feel that Jesus doesn't judge you? He shows you compassion. Perhaps he puts an arm around your shoulder. Perhaps you can't help it and begin to weep and Jesus pulls you close. What does he whisper in your ear? Perhaps it's something like, they don't know you, but I do. Or I've been waiting to hang out with you for a long time, and I'm so glad it's finally happening. Take a moment or two to be with Jesus and feel his compassion for you. In the gospel story, Zacchaeus makes a confession and a big promise to pay everyone back four times the amount he cheated them out of. But you are not Zacchaeus. And you don't need to make any big promises. Jesus is happy to be with you just the way you are. Notice what feelings are rising as you experience that. At the end of the meal, in the presence of many people, Jesus makes a big announcement about who Zacchaeus is, that he is a son of Abraham. In other words, he belongs to God's family. Would you like Jesus to make a big announcement about you and who you are? Or maybe a private one that only you hear? What do you hope Jesus would say about you? And now you can end your time together with Jesus giving thanks for this time. And I can pray. Thank you, Lord for this opportunity to meet with Jesus. May it bear much fruit. Amen. Such a great exercise. It's, 
it's, um, I, I'm always, I want to spend more time with it, but I'm, I'm always immediately impressed with just how different it is than the business world or almost, almost every environment or like Jesus was so different, such a different kind of, of leader, like incredible, you know, and, um, and, and Zacchaeus just immediately having something to to say and wanting to change his life, you know, just, but I, I love how you present it and saying that wasn't Jesus's expectation. He just, he just saw him and said, you know, have me over today. Yeah. And I love how you too, how you said, looking out over the crowd and seeing who's in the crowd and it's like me, like you want to, you want to come to my house? Yeah. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. That's what stood out for you in the story. I love it. <laughs> initially yeah i mean i want to i want to go the first time actually when you read it was um i i kind of asked the question well what would i say what, you know like like what would i have to confess and you brought up that that the confession so i want to spend some more time with that and i don't necessarily want to confess that during this public broadcast <laughs> either so <laughs> maybe i'll tell you later <laughs> yeah Wonderful. Well, thank you so much. And I, I did have one thought on that too, is just um, with those types of exercises, I just think being open is so important. Yeah. Like, and, and that's, that's one of the, one of the keys to contemplation is just, you know, we're safe in the, in the arms of a loving God. And we, and all, all that I think, if God requires anything of us or wants anything from us, it's just to be, even say requirements, not the best word, yeah. but just, I want to offer to people to be open. Yeah. yeah. And not to be discouraged. Once I, I was yeah. a retreat and, um, and the d- director had me pray with one story and I went away and I prayed with it and I said, okay, this is what happened. And he just was not impressed at all. And he just <laughs> said, go back and pray with it again and so oh, pray with it again and it went back and he sent me the third time and it took until the third time until finally the story broke into my life and and then it was like super powerful um when i when i when i when i experienced that it was the story of the the man that was judging the sinner um and and then i heard someone break, look at her and he was pointing at me Oh wow! And and I and I was, and then and then I and then I went to the scene of Jesus washing my feet. It was just, mm. it was that was that director that said, "Don't leave without without meeting Jesus or having <laughs> or something like that." And that way, wasn't impressed. He didn't feel like you. Bet. And then when I went back and and told him, and there's tears, and he was like totally in smug mode. You know, <laughs> like I knew it. I told you, I knew it. Yeah. I knew it. Go yeah. Again. <laughs> so just to be persistent sometimes, if yeah. if and and there was nothing I could do to make it. I just had to. It just took me a while to just uh, to just open. I think uh, something for me was just resisting, and yeah. and I. Just to go back again. Yeah. Go back again. There's nothing, nothing stopping us from doing that, right? Yeah. yeah. No. Thanks for letting me share that. Oh, it was beautiful. Yeah. And and again, uh, just to remind people, pause if they want. I might even use a different player than I'm, I've been using so that people can pause a little more easily because I think the podcast player that I use is not the easiest one to pause and keep going. So I'll, 
mm-hmm. I'll, uh, I'll find something that makes it a little easier to pause and people can take their time. With it. Yeah. So Esther's website is estherhiza.com and I'll spell that for you. So it's E-S-T-H-E-R-H-I-Z or Z for our U.S. friends, S-A.com. And then you can, all, you can find this podcast on hintsofgladness.com and you'll find it under initiatives and then podcast. And uh, you'll be able to find the conversation that we had today with a bunch of other notes and the yeah. the picture from the artist. What's the artist again from the seeds cracked open? Um, Michael Cook. Michael Cook. Yes. We'll include that, that picture. And uh, it's always lovely to talk with you and, and such a joy. I've been looking forward to this all day flying across North America. <laughs> I'm glad you had that to look forward to. <laughs> Thanks again for joining us on Hints of Gladness. For show notes and other resources, please visit hintsofgladness.com. <music>